Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Clamp Blue Podcast. My name is Dan Rowlandson. I'm joined today by John Townley for another podcast episode. And this one is something slightly different from things we normally do, where we've talked about it in, in previous episodes. It's very much pre-match, post-match, pre-match, post-match. Let's talk about something different, something topical. Now, Manchester United were humiliated at the weekend by their uh, fierce rivals, Liverpool, 7-0, which, I mean, seeing them lose in that manner is oh, excellent. Seeing Bruno Fernandes in tears and throwing his dummy out, oh, Excellent times too. So that sparked an idea of the seven times that Aston Villa smashed their opponents. Stay with me. So, John, thank you for joining me today. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm well, thanks, mate. Um, again, after a win, it's always a better week, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we haven't done one of these podcasts or something similar to this, sort of a, a timeless, but also topical, but something that the viewers can come back to for you know different reasons. We haven't really done one of these or we haven't done many of them and we want to do more, so... Yeah, hopefully it's um, an enjoyable podcast. Yeah, we're going to take a, a trip down memory lane now. I'll say, John, how how old are you? 21, 22? 20, 23 now. I'm 27, so this list is probably going to be heavily dominated by the Premier League era and probably, I say probably, I know the seven games we're going to be talking about from 2008 onwards, pretty much, this will be. We'll do an honourable mentions kind of round at the end as well, because I've put this out on Twitter yesterday and got people to send their suggestions in as well. There's loads of people saying things like, oh, the 6-0 against Liverpool in 1963. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure that was great, but I've got no recollection, never heard of it. Uh, so we're going to keep it to yours and my list, John, the seven times Aston Villa have battered their opposition, smashed their opposition whatever we've titled this video uh, so we'll get underway with number seven so we're going to do these in some kind of order of worst to best that sounds stupid to say this is like the worst best result so number seven is Derby County nil Aston Villa six like I said it sounds stupid to say that's the worst but yeah we're going to get better to the the following six after this John your recollections of that 2008 this was now we'll get into the iconic goal in a second but you're just kind of overall memories of this game I literally don't have a memory of it I'm, I was eight so <laughs> I wow. don't know um, the only memory I suppose is watching I say watching or at least I know of Petrov's goal I've obviously seen yeah. the goals doing highlights in like Premier League years that sort of stuff um, but the Petrov goal was obviously just iconic in general in like Premier League era for Villa but yeah the six no I don't actually remember of you know if we're going to break the game down <laughs> by minute by minute I won't have a clue um, <laughs> I've done some research we were freeing it up at half time apparently uh, Derby were already relegated as well at the point I do yeah. remember that they had a well, literally the worst Premier League season. Um, still is, isn't it, I think? Yeah, still is. Um, I think it was like 11 points. Just that game was Petrov's goal. That's the one that kind of stands out for me. There were six different scorers as well, which is probably unusual for yeah. well, 6-0, but also for a team like, well, you know, the team that we had, obviously we had a lot of players who could score goals, but you would expect, I don't know, Ashley Young to get a couple or uh, Gabby or Carew. But it was uh, Gabby, Harewood, Carew, Petrov, Young and uh, Gareth Barry scored the goals. And we beat Bolton 4-0 the week before. And then a game that we might touch on <laughs> soon will be the 5-1 against Blues, maybe. Uh, that was also after that. So we scored like 
how many goals would that be? 10, 15 goals in three games. The the site I'm looking at has got league positions at the time. I don't know whether this is before the fixture or after, but it's got Villa in seventh, Derby obviously 20th. I was going to read out the team lineups or the starting 11s for each of these games we're talking about as well. The little handy stat I had that it was, is that it was six different goal scorers and you've already mentioned it. So that's six of the 11 that you've read out. So in full, you've got Carson, Melberg, Zach Knight, Martin Larson, Wilfred Boomer, Gareth Barry, Stephen Petrov, Nigel Rio Coker, Ashley Young, which seems bizarre to be talking about Ashley Young in 2008 and in 2023, Gabby Bonlahor and John Carew, which is a, yeah, a nice side and maybe we should have achieved more with that side, but a story for another day. Yeah, like you say, Petrov, the most iconic goal there. So yeah, when I was doing the research, this was a quote from Martin O'Neill saying something like, oh, he's been a bit down on his look at the moment, a bit lacking confidence. So for him to take that effort on and score from there or kind of give him a boost, it's like, yeah, no shit. I'll give him a boost to score from 50 yards. What do you expect? Should we move on to number six in the list? Yep. I'll let you mention, right. or you cannot reveal this one, because I wasn't fully convinced of this one, to be honest. But well, it's a, a list that we've compromised on. Yeah, and again, I think we need to stress that the list is kind of like mine and yours, as in we need to fill out a couple of minutes to talk about it. And if it was, <laughs> yeah. you know, like Wimbledon, yeah, that was like massive. But at the same time, I I couldn't comment on it. So, mm. I mean, I put forward the 5-1 against Norwich away and that doesn't sound like particularly like Norwich away all right calm down if you want to go you know in literal terms it was technically a win that kept us up although it was like what the fourth or fifth game of the season yeah. um we stayed up by was it a point that we stayed up in 1920 I think I was watching that in my uni room as I did for most of the last like four, three, four years Wesley double won it and then he had the chance to score his third his hat trick uh yeah. before that time and then he just got saved by the keeper I think we all probably knew it was going to get saved at the time like when when a villa going to go three nil up sort of thing or <laughs> I mean, it must have been three uh two nil at half time then thinking about it I think um it yeah but, yeah, Villa aren't going to go three 0 up uh, away at home in the like fifth game back in the Premier League. Even though it was Norwich, that was still a team who won the Championship when we were in there by like a bit of a canter, and they beat us as well, obviously on the final day of that season. Yeah. To uh, and they lifted the trophy for the Park and all sorts. But yeah, um, I remember I tweeted actually after that game when we won five one. I probably got carried away and I said something like, I don't know why I delved into some stats and I found that. However, amount of goals we had scored at that point in the season, it must have been like fifteen or something. No team had got relegated in Premier League history. <laughs> like 15 goals. <laughs> I love about it now. Technically, I was right, but I went so early. <laughs> like, we were like down, weren't we? We were like four games to go. And there I am, like saying, oh, we scored 15 goals in like four games. It sounds like, why, why are we here? What's the world for? <laughs> I'll tell, tell you what, between, between us recording this and getting it out, try and find that that tweet and I'll flash it up on screen if you, if you can find it. If I found it, it'll be here now. Uh, it's yeah, just funny to look back on. Um, there's a, a little stat underneath the site that I'm looking at. It's at 11v11.com as well. I'm taking all these um, team sheets from and things. It says, this was the first time Aston Villa had scored five or more goals in an away game since 6-0 win against Derby County. So quite yeah, convenient yeah. that we've talked about both of those already. Uh, the team news in full. Tom Heaton, Frederick Gilbert, Bjorn Engels, Tara Mings, Matty Target, Marvellous Nakamba, Connor Harahan, John McGinn, Anwar El Ghazi, Jack Grealish, and Wesley. Now, there's what, two players there that are still at Aston Villa from that start 11 in Mings and McGinn that are still starting. And obviously, Nakamba is still contracted to us, but on loan at Luton. Gilbert went permanently, I think, didn't he, this summer. So, yeah, a lot's changed in those three years. But that game, actually, 
I just got the job here in the September, and obviously that was the start of October. And one of my first jobs, um, like going out and about filming, was to go to Nottingham Forest. I think they were playing Derby. It's obviously a Derby game, and they wanted to get some footage of the fans in the stadium and things like that. So it was one of the first Villa games that I'd missed. Obviously, it was away, and I'm, I don't go to away games very often, if at all, these days. Um, but it was one of the first games I'd, I'd, I didn't see any of it on my phone, didn't see any of the results or anything. And I remember tweeting, I think, again, if I can find it, I'll flash it up. First game I've missed, we've scored five goals. I won't come next week and we'll hopefully win again or you know, some stupid yeah. line like that. Uh, but Wes is, is the talking point, isn't it? A player that we've spent a, a lot of money on. He's got a couple of goals there against a side that ultimately would go on to be relegated. Did you think at that point or at, at any point then that Wesley would go on to be a success? It was a real handful in that game, obviously, because he scored twice, but it was just a good presence. Yeah. And in the games previously, it was like between him and Joel Linton, and it was like a big comparison about who's going to score more yeah. goals. Yeah, I think it was more so actually in the like the Burnley game later on. I thought, oh, he's coming into his coming into his own. That was really good in that Burnley yeah. game. Like that's just really sad, isn't it? Like I actually think he was getting to a, a level that uh, I thought was you know a very decent Premier League player. To be honest, and he was getting a Brazil call up as well the week before yeah. the Burnley injury too, so it was all kind of going for him. And so I think he was adapting slowly but surely. And then obviously that injury is completely, you know, it's a real shame. He's, he's obviously at Levante now, and he's scored a couple of goals, but ultimately he just he isn't the same player. And clearly that injury has had a big impact on his career. But that win stands out to me just, I suppose, because in my like I don't know ten year memory of supporting Villa, there's probably not too much to go off, but that. Yes, yeah. it's, it's a happy time, I suppose. It's, it's a butterfly effect, isn't it? That the Wesley situation, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but the one that you see that does the rounds all the time is Bern Leno getting injured for Arsenal and Lionel Messi winning the World Cup because then Martinez comes in, plays well, moves to Villa, he wins the Cup of America, Messi wins the World Cup, etc. This kind of chain of events. Wesley kind of getting better, scoring goals there, gets that Burnley game, Brazil call-ups on the horizon, all of a sudden gets a bad injury. If that injury doesn't happen, Maybe he goes to Brazil and the scores there on international duty. Comes back full of confidence, scores a few more goals for Villa. Villa fly up the table rather than survive on the final day and Wesley becomes this great Premier League player for Villa that scores loads and loads of goals. And I can't even say that with a straight face I don't think Wesley would have made it anyway. But you just think if that injury never happened, what might have been for a record signing? I think it was at the time. He could have not worked out at Villa, but then he could have got a move to Nottingham Forest or whoever it may be and he's... He's a Premier League player still and he's in Europe or he might be playing Europa League or whatever it is. But now it's obviously had a massive effect on him. But I suppose the one thing that we know probably wouldn't have happened uh, is that we wouldn't have signed Ali Samata. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ali Samata. Oh, God. This is why I like doing these random podcasts about different things. You just throw up these players' names that you've just forgotten about. Like Ali Samata, this is three years ago we're talking about. When we look through some of the names from the older team sheets, you just think, Christ, I wonder we're almost getting relegated every single season. Move on to number three, though. Uh, Arsenal against Aston Villa. 3-0 win for Villa at the Emirates. Now, again, we're talking about times Villa have blown the opposition away and things like that. 3-0 isn't necessarily the definition some people might have of that. It was one of those games where you just felt like, it, again, it was near the start of that season, wasn't it, when we'd, we'd started really well. Um, obviously, we'd beaten Liverpool that at the start of that season as well, which I, we might get onto at some point during this episode, I, I would have thought. Um, but to go to the Emirates and play a side that, Yes, they're not the Arsenal that they are as of today. Mikel Arteta was, was new to the, the club at the time. But to go there and play in the manner we did, Ollie Watkins getting his brace. I love the celebration pictures from from that as well. And slight dampening on a couple of these. They're locked down, so there's no fans in the background. But Watkins kind of like just two, tip two fingers up for his braces. I love those photos. This kind of free-flowing brand of football exciting, scoring loads of goals. 
it felt good and it was like, oh, this is the season we might go on and, and do something. And obviously, ultimately, we we didn't do anything that we, we hoped in terms of winning trophies or getting into Europe. But a standout moment from a, a bad time of lockdown and things that, to go to the Emirates and play like that, it's got it into this list. And we, it could have been a Baron as well. I remember they could have been like 5-0. I remember they cleared yeah, one off the yeah. Uh, the clear one off the line, and then John McGinn had that goal ruled out for offside or something. Um, mm. in the first it was early on, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was to make it one nil. Obviously, got chalked yeah. off, but I never understand how that can be offside. There was a player like in his in Leno's view, but McGinn belted the ball in the top corner, like no one saving that. And that was just like my Villa fans were so annoyed the other week when Arsenal had two players in front of Martinez mm. and Jorginho, you know, when it hit the bar and winning, it's exactly the same thing. The keeper's never going to save it, or whatever happened afterwards wasn't going to change. You know, they weren't yeah. really interfering. But, you know, consistency, I guess it was two years ago, so you can't really bring it up too much. Um, <laughs> this game, if I remember rightly, came straight after the. I think, well, we lost, obviously we started well that season. I think we won four out of four or three out of three. Four out of four, wasn't it? Um, but then we lost to uh, Leeds 3-0 at home, which weren't great. And then we lost 4-2 at home, Southampton. But then we obviously then beat Arsenal 3-0. So it was almost a point in the season where it's like, all right, we won four four of our first four games and scored a lot of goals. But now we've conceded. So we lost 4-3 to Southampton. And then we conceded like, what, nine, eight, eight goals or so, seven goals in... Um, in two games so yeah it was almost a win of like almost a bit of relief as well that we weren't just gonna start well and then just go backwards the goals as well that we scored like that run from Grealish for the third goal they took it from like his own half mm. it's like prime Grealish that I think it was our first goal Barkley and Grealish were just keeping the ball for like yeah they played between each other, didn't they? And then put it through to McGinn, I think. I'll just read you the team news while I've mentioned it. Obviously, Martinez in goal, Cash, Constant, Mings, Target, Douglas Louise, John McGinn, Ross Barkley, Trezeguet, Grealish, Watkins. So obviously, a pretty much similar team to, the, to what we're seeing today. But yeah, yeah, just different level, some of that, some of the football at the time in the early part of that season. Some good good games across that season, actually, that probably could have made this list. But Arsenal, was, with Liverpool, was kind of a kickstarter for why they would get into this list that we're doing. Oh, yeah, that lockdown season because that was like a full lockdown season apart from like yeah. one, maybe two games um, partially open to fans but yeah that there's just bizarre things happening that, and that was definitely due, due to fans um, and on that Arsenal one as well we obviously have a good record at the Emirates um, but mm-hmm. the season that we came up when we lost 3-2 I remember every single one of their goals that they scored there was a reason why it should have been disallowed so it was sweet to kind of go back the, the, the year after and you know really do a job on them and then obviously we beat them later that season as well 1-0 yeah we've had a good sort of run against Arsenal and that should have continued a couple of weeks ago so the fourth time that Aston Villa tore their opponents to shreds or whatever I've titled this I could have done seven different versions couldn't have the title at this point when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Aston Villa 6 Sunderland 1 at Villa Park in the tw- on the 29th of April 2013 Christian Benteke hat-trick is the reason this is in here I think peak Benteke just absolutely bullying defenders scoring good goals but also almost a little bit of a, a side note Ron Vlaar getting the scoring opening on the 31st minute from I haven't actually had a chance to watch back all the goals here that we're talking about but it feels like it was from a million miles out 30 <laughs> yards 25 yards or something just absolutely blasted it probably much closer than that but low across the floor started the, started the game off with the scoring 
and uh, like I said, Ben Teke goes on to get his hat trick um, late on in the game. Um, but that was like a real, not a relegation six pointer, but we were both down the bottom, weren't we? And it's towards the end of the season, so you, you know, you've got to look at that game. You look at that game to go. Villa need to do something here. We need to get three points if possible. But to get them in that style and blow somebody apart, blow somebody away in that manner, that was a real kind of sign of okay, we're probably hopefully going to be okay this season. Yeah, I think it was a Monday night game, if I'm correct, because it was... It was definitely yeah. a night game. I don't know yeah. if it was Monday or not. Um, yeah, Vla with that sort of rock, was that rocket, I think it took a couple of like bubbles off the ground, but obviously hit it well, and it was kind of like for a crowd of players, so I think that was probably the main reason why it kind of skipped past the keeper. Um, I think Sunderland, they drew back like literally a minute later, so it wasn't as if we, uh, you know, kind of coasted into like a final lead and then gave one away. They, were, they scored straight away after we scored the opener and then Andy Ryman scored before half time to make a 2-1 Ben Ticker comes up with like a I think it's 18 minute hat trick and yeah by then with obviously the game's done Gabby seals it and I think they had a red card too before Ben Ticker still go when we were 4-1 up when did we beat teams convincingly and comfortably at yeah. home all the way you know especially like under Lambert not that it was Lambert's fault it was just obviously there was a bad time for us as a club in terms of league positions and sort of the quality of play that we had be able to have someone like Ben Tecker you can always um, score you know plenty of goals but that was the sort of one occasion that we actually did it I managed to have a quick flick through the goal I was listening by the way I did another tab the beauty of doing things online I had another tab open of the goals and the fly one takes a deflection on the way through not a bobble on the ground he's uh, yeah. far out I'm, I'm rubbish with yards but it's well outside oh, yeah. the box and the Ben Tecker one's me saying at the start they're not Ben Tecker getting good goals they weren't particularly good goals one is a uh, uh, the keeper kind of makes a save and parries out into his path, but he gets a good header to get it down and in the goal. He scores a header from a corner as well, which is a good goal, a good kind of strong neck muscles, peak Benteki that. And then the third one to seal the hat trick, I think it was on his left foot from a tight angle. Um, but yeah, just a menace. Absolutely love Benteki, one of my, I say, favourite players growing up. I was in my teenage years in 2013, but still early days of supporting Aston Villa, really, and unbelievable. Let's go to the fifth uh, the fifth time on the list that Aston Villa <laughs> ripped their opponents to shreds. I don't know if I've done that one already, but let's go for that. <laughs> Aston Villa were four, Wolverhampton Wanderers one. Now, again, this is one that you thought of and you said, can we in- include championship games or not? And I said, yeah, why not? Let's just do whatever we want. Yeah. Why did you want to put this one in, in the list? Because I can't remember what happened before. <laughs> um, I think, again, like we've... <laughs> we've obviously battered a few teams and like we beat Bristol City like 5-0 and that was like cool it was nice um, but the Wolves one had more talking points so no it was one of those where I think that again in my recent memory that was you know if, if you could choose I don't know 10 Villa games that you could go back to and just relive for like 90 minutes that would be one of them because it was mm-hmm. such a that season was obviously good, but at the same time, it was like every game you expected to win. We were in the playoffs, but we were never really challenging for top two until yeah. we obviously beat Wolves. Um, and the game itself was obviously, you know... Were we close enough at that stage to think we might get top two? Or am I misremembering? No, but once we beat Wolves... I remember there was a game against Fulham. We had, I think it was towards the end of the season, and... Um, we lost we lost that game. But if we had won, we'd have gone like a couple of points away. But we were yeah. never it was never really a, a possibility, really. Um but yeah, the Wolves one was big. Uh I think Adoma scored straight away, then Jota, like literally Jota and Nevers was playing for Wolves. They were by far and away the best team in the division. But it that's why it was so yeah. good because after one game in that year that we weren't expected to win really. Like obviously it was right, we could we can win, but you know, so every game before that was like an expectancy. If we don't win, that's not a good enough result. But if we didn't beat Wolves, it wasn't like a 
you know, oh, they were just a very, very good team. I remember they had that play next to Wal- uh, next to Neves and Jai, I think his name was. He kept trying to kick Grealish the whole game and like the yeah. crowd wasn't loving it. Um, Bjarnason's goal as well. He come on and slammed it into the post and it went in and yeah, it was a really good game. But <laughs> then classic Villa, like literally Sunday, Monday, we're, three days later, we had QPR at home and then we go and lose to QPR at home. Like it's the most classic thing. Um, mm. Then we lose to Bolton away, I think it was, which was that kind of well-known, the coldest game anyone's ever been to. <laughs> so that, that was the top six um that's top, yeah. so the top two sort of gone, but beating yeah. Wolves was massive. I remember going, coming back and listening to like Paul Franks on the radio and all the Villa fans are saying, oh, "Are we going to get top two And all the Wolves fans <laughs> and stuff like running out of it. But yeah, uh, really good, really good um, result. Good night. It was a five thirty, I think. What could have been a bigger moment, but at the same time, again, it was just like the emotion of it to me. Uh, you know, to win four one against you. Say, it's a derby right. game, isn't it? Yeah, as much as, as they're not Blues, it's still Wolves and they're, we're third, they're top. We think maybe there's an outside chance of top two, but definitely playoffs. This is a game where maybe we'll put something together and see what happens. Just go through the through the 11 quickly. Sam Johnston, El Mohamedi, uh, Chester, John Terry. Again, when I was writing these down to do the graphics for it, it's like John Terry played for us. Like, obviously, I've not forgotten, but that's mad in, in itself. Uh, Neil Taylor, Yedinak, Harahan, Adoma, Snodgrass, Grealish and Graben. If Tammy Abraham was in that side instead of Grabham, we probably got, would have got promoted that year, which again is another potential sliding doors moment there. The one name I didn't mention there, though, and we've not mentioned yet, Berkey and Bjarnason, another throwback to the past. The Iceman, Iceman cometh uh, and run, run, jinx through the Wolves' defence like Lionel Messi. But yeah, that's, that's something that stands out from that game as well. But Bjarnason's goal just... Where did that come from? I think he got a couple of goals for Villa. I think he scored a nice goal against Reading as well. I don't know why I'm thinking of that. That was another game that season. Uh, Reading With Bjarnason, wasn't he a left winger or playing left wing? And then he was suddenly put in DM and he was yes. he was brilliant at DM? Or was it the yeah. other way around? So he was a... All I remember, for Iceland and for Basel, he'd play off the wing. But then yeah. clearly he was just a versatile player who had a bit yeah. of an engine. He never... I don't know. I, I feel like he had something to bring, but ultimately didn't really show much and but he played midfield didn't he like a game against Brentford when we had Lansbury Horahan and uh Bjarnason on deadline day when we signed Hogan and Hogan was a Brentford player we lost 3-0 to Brentford and it was just like what is the point (laughs) (laughs) maybe that was an oversight me just calling Bjarnason a brilliant DM but it seemed like we we played him out wide this whole time we thought oh yeah he's all right he can do a job but he played midfield it was something like oh all right he's probably better in midfield maybe I'm the only one that thought like that (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. This That's knowing the comments whether Bjarnason was better at DM. <laughs> that game as well, we we beat Wednesday four two, and then we beat Sunderland three 0 and then we beat Wolves four one. So it was real like a proper momentum shift, and then we so yeah. we bugged and lose to QPR. So yeah, let's move on. Let's not think about the, how, how that season ended ultimately as well. Uh, to sixth in the list now. I mean, it wouldn't be a list of the times that Aston Villa shot on their opponents without mentioning five one Birmingham City, uh, April two thousand and eight a date that for some reason always sticks in the mind as just knowing when this was. Two from Ashley Young, two from John Carew, one from the Derby Day hero, Gabby Abonlahor. Uh, just again, one of my earliest memories of, of going to Villa Park, feeling like we'd win all the time. But that game, just unbelievable. The atmosphere so good. Again, a little bit of a nostalgia moment that it feels like the best kind of thing ever because it was 12, 13 years ago. But yeah, it just feels like next level, that the atmosphere on the day and how, how well we played. And it wouldn't be a, a list would it, without a stick in Birmingham City in there somewhere. I don't have much recollection of the game, I'll, I'll be honest. But that's, again, always like a, 
a moment like Premier League years you kind of wait for that game to come up it was five, obviously yeah. five. I don't remember what their goal was or I'm not sure but yeah I, I remember all of our goals in terms of drafts to watch them on highlights and stuff um, yeah. was that the game that Carew took the mascot and does that iconic I think so goal? I'm pretty, pretty sure that was against the, the ball boy yeah I'm pretty sure that was against Blues but I don't know whether it was that one I think it must have been again it, if it was it'll have been on screen at this point it was yeah. the game where Mel Burke's doing the the iconic kind of double fist celebration yeah. when he got subbed off. So yeah, that was that game for sure. I don't know the, the, the career on must have been. He scored twice. Ashley almost scored twice. Gabby obviously yeah. scored against Blues as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was just an iconic game for many reasons. I think Blues got relegated that year as well. An iconic win if we win that three one. But because it's five one, it's yeah. That's why it's we have to include it in in our list. Yeah, but not including it in top spot. Which you know, some might argue that should be the the ultimate, the peak. You beat your your, your fierce rivals five one at home. All your forward players score. A couple of them score twice. Yeah, iconic captain was he captain Melberg? It would have been at some point. He goes off with it to a standing ovation, giving it fist bumps Barry, to the Barry. crowd. Uh, Gary Barry would have captain, of course. Yeah, yeah. Cruz was picking up ball boys if that was the game. Like that should be top spot. That's perfect. But what takes top spot for us and probably most people watching this, and if you disagree. Let us know in the comments down below. Aston Villa 7, Liverpool 2. And this game is very much different to the game we've just talked about with with Blues and kind of this fuzzy nostalgia, nice feeling about it. I kind of feel the same way towards Liverpool, but with this kind of tinge of sadness that we only watched it on TV and all the photos of it, the, the stadium is empty. And that's the thing that disappoints me a little bit. Again, it doesn't matter. We won 7-2 against the reigning champions. It was unbelievable. But imagine how much better it would have been if we were all there. I just tell myself that it wouldn't have happened if we were there. <laughs> <laughs> True. I don't know whether it's a nervous energy or whatever it is. I just don't think it would happen. Like those, all of those, no, not all of those games, but a lot of those games, like losing 4 3 to Southampton, beating Palace with 10 men easily, other games as well. We beat Chelsea at the end of the season, we beat Tottenham away. Like there was just a lot of weird games, like losing 3 0 at home to Leeds. There's strange results for the whole season. United lost a couple of hours before us you know, like 6-1 to Spurs I think we saved you know it's blushes in a way because all the papers the next morning are obviously like well actually <laughs> that wasn't even the biggest like shock I still can't get over it really it doesn't make any sort of logical sense because that Liverpool team was arguably one of or you know I, I know Liverpool have had some very good teams over the years very good teams but that's the team that won them the Premier League trophy the only difference was that they had um Adrian in goal instead of Allison, but I don't think Adrian was at fault for all. I mean, he was at fault for one of the goals, obviously, <laughs> I think the first one. Um, but apart from that, I don't think there's anything he could do about the other ones. You know, if mm-hmm. Allison was in goal, they were one on ones anyway. So, yeah, it was just one of those freak games. Like the goals we scored, obviously, McGinn's was an, a deflection to make it 4 1. Barkley on his debut uh, was a deflection as well, probably another deflection somewhere. It was similar to the when United lost on Sunday against Liverpool 7 0. Like, was it a 7-0? Possibly not, but Liverpool had like seven or eight shots on target and they all went in. So mm. kind of a freak in that way. Like we can't deny that. But at the same time, you've scored seven goals to beat, uh, or 7-2, you've scored seven goals to beat Liverpool. Um, and like, not to like dig into Blues, but I feel like we could beat Blues 5-1 again. <laughs> or we could <laughs> yeah. win the championship and yeah. it won't be the last time probably because... You know, whether it's Blues or Bolton or Blackburn, there's every chance we'll beat a team that's not as good as us by a lot of goals. Um, but Liverpool are, will always be one of the top clubs in the country, so we'll probably never beat them. You know, or score seven, not score that amount of goals and beat them. So it has to be top. Uh, yeah. Say like 
full strength team apart from the keep. They had Van Dyke there. And that was the team that say won the Premier League only a couple of months before. I know that yeah. wasn't their best season. They still finished like third or second though that year. So yeah, just mad. Everything worked. Four one at half time, but I still wasn't um <laughs> still like the second half and score three and we'll lose yeah. four. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like because there were only three goals behind, like I say only. Yeah. And in the end we we did it, but yeah. My only memory from that, so obviously wasn't in the stadium, was I was at uni again and I had my room in the basement. Anytime Villa scored a goal, I would just like nowhere to really move. So, the, yeah, you kind of got to use up your energy somehow. So, I had like my stairs to go up in, into like the first level. So, anytime Villa would score in that game or in any other game, I just run up the stairs and run back down, like shouting. <laughs> so, it was like a workout after that game. So, I ran up the stairs, like what, 14 times, I suppose. Um, yeah, mental, just bizarre. I remember just sitting down like, afterwards, like, what? Yeah, the, the podcast that we did afterwards, which I'll put a clip in of, of us just starting it. I think I opened a, a beer early on, just going. <laughs> <laughs> Got a kind of Pepsi Max here. Let's enjoy it. It's a full fat, full sugar performance. So drink it in. Strike, strike in the Premier League glass because we are no, not <laughs> oh. in this league. Let me tell you. Oh, yeah, there's absolutely no explanation at all. Like that, you could just go over any player and be like, "Yeah, it was this that." Like Grealish arguably had one of the best performances in Premier League history, not just for him or for a Villa. I meant like as a player ever. Like yeah, the Premier League, like, it was insane. He got like, five assists and just ran the whole mental. Watkins' uh, yeah. perfect hat trick in the first half. Also, Ollie Watkins' first goals for us, which I didn't realise. I was looking into this the other day because obviously it's Ollie Watkins' hundredth Premier League I mean, game coming up soon. He, yeah, yeah, in the Premier League. Yeah, of course. He's because he scored in the cup, didn't he? I think in uh, uh, yeah. the cup before that, that was his debut goal for us. He's coming up to his hundredth game, so I was just looking through like the landmarks on like, a first goal, tenth goal, twentieth goal, first brace, first hat trick, that kind of thing. Obviously, knowing the hat trick was Liverpool, but obviously we only signed him in the the summer of that season, and this was like the third or fourth Premier League game of the season. Yeah. So yeah, what Ollie Watkins' first Aston Villa goal was the first goal of a perfect hat trick against the reigning champions in a seven-two win. Oh, that's a mad thing in itself because you just I just thought well, if that was his hat trick he's obviously scored a couple of goals in the season already before that but that was like the start of the season that, that Liverpool game like I said the third or fourth game yes, uh, just, I'll just read the team news out quickly uh, most of us will be familiar with it Martinez, Cash Kontz and Mings Target Douglas Louise, McGinn Barkley Trezeguet Grealish Watkins little stat from the, from the website that I'm using, 11v11.com. This was the second time Aston Villa had scored seven or more goals in a game in the Premier League. Also, 7-1 versus Wimbledon on the 11th of February, 1995. We've put Liverpool in because it, I think that won't be matched just because of the level of opposition. Uh, yeah. Like you said, if we played the reigning champions again at the start of a new season, will we ever win 7-2 again? Probably not. So that... Yeah kind of out trumps every other game that we could put into this list and people will say in the comments this cup win was better or this win from whatever year was better but for our list that we're doing Aston Villa 2 Aston Villa 7 Liverpool 2 has to top it just because yeah, of the magnitude yeah. of, of the opposition yeah like you, we can there's more important wins in Aston Villa's history like you can probably round 25 30 of them and we've got a history of winning things like this but yeah <clears throat> in terms of what the hell and goals and just shock and again will it happen again probably not um or not for a long time liverpool has to be there not just because it's liverpool which say the premier league champions with that too so mm. yeah that would be like us beating man city 7-2 at the start of this season like just bananas it makes no sense and yeah i can't still piece it together and so i think a lot of it was kind of everything went right for villa on the day but at yeah. the same time there's absolutely no taking anything away because like it's insane I, 
I've got a screenshot on my phone of when I FaceTimed my dad and like my brother and my mum afterwards, and it was like a forty, so like forty-eight minutes on top. I'll try and find it. Yeah, I was just to prove like what the hell. Like, we need to talk about this. <laughs> this is <laughs> bizarre. I don't think that will be topped, and that will kind of live me live with me forever. Probably, it's just yeah, mental. Yeah, I like that this this podcast was based off the off the fact that Liverpool just won seven 0 against Man United, and it made me think, let's do a podcast about times when Villa have battered people, and then yeah. we've ended it with us scoring seven past them yeah. as well, which is a, a nice kind of ending to it. Yeah. We'll just go through some honourable mentions from social media. Some of these will be repeated, so bear with me if we go over any of the same. Pricey said Liverpool seven two, Villa six one Sunderland, Derby six nil, Villa seven one Wimbledon, Villa five one Blues, and Leicester nil, Villa five. They're in the Premier League. They're ones that come to mind in my lifetime he says AVFC Stato came out with the biggest Premier League wins a 1994 5-0 win over Swindon the 7-1 against Wimbledon that I've just mentioned a 5-0 win over Wimbledon in 96 that Derby 6-0 Villa Sunderland 6-1 and obviously Villa 7-2 Liverpool so with three of those mentioned are ones that we've talked about already uh, Mark McIntosh has great memories of the 6-2 win against Everton at Villa Park in 1989. Lich says, my first thought was December 1976 and beating Liverpool 5-1. And there's two here that were, were kind of on my honourable mentions list. Now, one that I didn't see, but I know, know about. To be fair, two, both cup finals from the 90s. 3-1 against Man United and the 3-0 against Leeds in 94 and 96 as going on a cup final and kind of blowing the opposition away and, and winning the trophy. Like, that's got to be up there as a level of, of achievement. Uh, kind of a semi-rogue one because it's not a huge scoreline, but the 2-1 win over Liverpool at Wembley in the semi-final with the FA Cup. One of Grealish's first games for us under Tim Sherwood. Grealish, Delft, Benteke linking up and kind of playing Liverpool off the park at Wembley. Again, mm-hmm. doesn't have this flashy scoreline of a 5-0 or a 7-2, but one that I think of as a kind of performance that obviously gets us to a final that we go on to lose. So that kind of um, dampens it a little bit. But as a dominant performance uh, in part of that game, yeah, an honourable mention for that. A couple of mentions for the Aston Villa 6, Everton 2 from, from back in the, the late 80s. <laughs> Um, um, a couple of people said Rotterdam, which again, it's only a one nil, but the magnitude of yeah, like if you're not being obviously that trumps yeah. anything. <laughs> well, that that whole run in that in the in the European Cup trial, yeah. was, was it five or six games that we? Well, obviously we had two legs there, didn't we? So. Mm. And then the final one from Rich who says Villa 2 into Milan nil back in 1990 shame we lost 3-0 away <laughs> which yeah, it's always yeah. something isn't it with Villa to bring you back down to reality after, after a good result but what I like about this is I, I, all my tweets said Man United's embarrassing defeat to Liverpool has got me thinking what are Aston Villa's, Aston Villa's best ever performances and a lot of them mentioned the 7-2 the 5-1 against Blues a few mentioned the 6-1 Sunderland so I like that even with the kind of great expanse of knowledge across Twitter of different age groups they've still got three or four of the same that we've put in this list as well the win over um, and again we're kind of just naming wins now but the win over into, we need to probably do one of, let's do one in terms of magnitude as well as a podcast because like mm. you can name like, like the Derby one for example obviously we know it's big but then another sort of butterfly moment if we lost to Derby we wouldn't have Grealish would we have gone up the next year we wouldn't have parachute payments obviously we have the owners that we have but we know the championships are slog and everyone wanted to beat Villa so I feel like if we didn't work that year, it would have been so ugh as well. Like I was bored. It sounds quite snobby, but I was bored of championship football at that point. I really was well sick of it. You know, also, sorry, come on. Come in. With all the excitement that we're talking about, Aston Villa 7, Liverpool 2, my newborn son has wet himself. And I've just been handed him to hold for a second. Uh, what do you think about, about some of these games we've been talking about? 
<laughs> he still hasn't got over the Liverpool 7-2 yet. Actually, funny story, just as we're talking about different random things, me and my partner, who have been together a couple of years now, yeah, I know, when we first started <laughs> speaking and, and kind of getting to know each other, it was like early October and the Liverpool game was the 4th of October. She worked at a pub at the time in like a part-time job after COVID. And she yeah. messaged me because the Liverpool game was on. We were obviously winning 7-2. <laughs> yeah. And she said like, uh, oh, yeah, Villa are, are doing really well. Like, yeah, trying to like, just to have small talk or whatever. And I was like, yeah, it's... I was like, I oh, know. I was like, it's not always like that. Trust me, we don't always beat the reigning champions 7-2. Don't get used to it. We talk about like magnitude of wins and things like that. I think there's an episode in like the 10 butterfly effect moments at Aston Villa. And we'll have to do some research for that as well. So maybe if comments want to uh, put some suggestions down below. Like little moments in history where if things were slightly different, we'd have gone on these various paths of either winning a trophy or being relegated or signing this player or selling that player. I think there's some interesting discussion there. And again, it's just memory lane stuff. I like talking about players that you just go, oh, you're Cuba Silla. Christ, yeah, you've played this. John McCoo, remember when we signed him and he was in that crap jumper? Like all these random little talking points start a podcast. Like this is what I want to do more of. But we will call it a day there as I've obviously got to go do other things with the baby. Um, thanks for everyone who's watched along. There's going to be plenty of suggestions of loads of different games uh, and different results uh, that you think are the biggest times that Aston Villa have blown their opponent away or ripped them to shreds or whatever the title of this video has eventually been. So get involved, put those in the comments and we'll, we'll chat down there as well. John, thanks for your time as always. We'll be back on Friday with a West Ham preview and then Sunday for a post-match show. And then again, same time next week on Tuesday, we'll do something else. I don't know what it'll be. That's the beauty of these kind of midweek episodes. Maybe a Q&A, maybe a phone-in, maybe the six times this random thing happened and we'll just go down memory lane and see what happens. So thanks everyone for tuning in as always and uh, we'll see you again on Friday. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode then please do let us know. We love hearing your thoughts and comments. We'll be back soon with another episode but until then up the villa. Up the villa.